You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello, and welcome to the Omicron variant of the Inside China podcast. My name is Mimi Lau. Did you know it was about this date two years ago that I was sitting in our studios in Times Square, Hong Kong, talking about how we had just been ordered to collect our laptops and work from home? Here we are in 2022, and wow, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Right now, I'm talking to you from my study room in the new territories of Hong Kong, while my producer, Jared Watt, is listening in from his home about 30 kilometers away on the Hong Kong island. If you are listening in from the United States or from Singapore or the UK, maybe last week you didn't know much about the situation in Hong Kong. But now, I guess you might have heard or seen the world headlines about the Hong Kong hamster massacre. There's a growing outcry in Hong Kong over hamsters. Thousands of hamsters in Hong Kong will be culled after a pet shop customer became the city's second confirmed Delta case this week. Infections could mark the first cases of transmission from hamsters to humans outside of a laboratory environment. The government has ordered 2,000 hamsters to be killed. It sounds cruel. It sounds extreme. But this is where we found ourselves in this third year of the pandemic. In case you missed it, here's some facts. There's a pet shop in Causeway Bay, not too far from the newsroom of the South China Morning Post. A couple of days ago, one of the workers at this pet store tested positive for COVID-19. And then 11 hamsters in that store tested positive for the Delta variant of the coronavirus. It's the first case in the world of animal-to-human transmission from a rodent. It's also a highly emotional case because for anyone who bought a hamster after December 22nd in Hong Kong, it's being asked to bring it into government offices and there's no nice way to say this. To be terminated by authorities desperate to maintain a zero-COVID policy. Like I said, it sounds pretty extreme, but maybe you remember back in November 2020 when the government of Denmark ordered the killing of 17 million minks because of COVID-19 outbreaks on farms. Here in Hong Kong, there are people who remember back to our last pandemic. Do you remember that thing we called bird flu? Back in 1997, the H5N1 avian flu had spread out of mainland China and hit Hong Kong very hard. This was actually a variant of a previous flu pandemic, what was known as the Hong Kong flu back in 1967. 30 years later, the Hong Kong government ordered every chicken on every farm and every poultry market to be killed. What that shows you is authorities take the issue of animal-to-human transmission of viruses really seriously here in Hong Kong. The big picture for us here in Hong Kong is that we are more or less isolated from the world as the government tries to limit the ways the Omicron virus can arrive. As the US, UK and Europe move on to the idea of living, working and traveling while thousands of people catch cases of the Omicron variant, even Australia has opened its borders to students and tourists. But here in Hong Kong, amid an ongoing exodus of expats and Hong Kongers, at least eight countries are still banned from flying in. And anyone who does fly in has to pay for a minimum of 17 to 21 days of hotel quarantine. 
And all of this, as Hong Kong endures what is not quite a lockdown, but are serious restrictions on what we can do outside our homes. Recent cases of Omicron have led to the government ordering all bars and nightclubs to close and strict rules about restaurants only being allowed to serve takeaway food after 6pm. Gymnasiums, theatres, beauty parlors and a number of other businesses have been ordered to close as well until after the Nuna New Year or Chinese New Year, which officially starts on February 1st. But over the border of mainland China, the annual migration of hundreds of millions of people headed home for the New Year feast with their families is already underway. And this is happening as Beijing is desperately testing millions upon millions of people trying to track down the latest outbreaks of Omicron and Delta variants and asking people, please do not travel at this time. You're going to hear from someone inside Shanghai about the situation there and what it's like to try and travel inside China right now. And you are going to hear what is happening to Hong Kong's famous restaurant industry, Once upon a time, it boasted some of the world's best restaurants and attracted the world's best culinary talent. And now the question is, will they survive? But let's start with the big picture of what is happening across mainland China right now. It's not just the Beijing government trying to maintain its zero COVID policy as outbreaks of Omicron pop up. We are just two weeks away from the Beijing Winter Olympics. This is a crucial public relations moment for Beijing to show the world it continues to have the pandemic under control. And we are seeing increasing evidence that it does not have it under control. Holy Chick works with me on the China desk for the South China Morning Post, and she's been covering the ongoing outbreaks across the mainland China over the past few weeks. So Holly, I I guess we have to start with the news that Fortress Beijing, with tougher quarantine restrictions and controls than anywhere in China and anywhere in the world, have just announced new cases of Omicron. What is going on there? That's right, Mimi. So Beijing, the Chinese capital, it's is due to hold the Winter Olympics next month. And obviously the city is on high alert now. The Games Organizing Committee has just decided that tickets will not be sold to the public. And this came after Beijing reported its first community case of the Omicron coronavirus variant on Saturday. So a a woman tested positive after having a sore throat and fever, and she had not left the city in the previous two weeks. And she has not been in contact with confirmed cases. So on Monday, the Beijing CDC said this woman had received a letter mailed from Canada on January the 7th. And they suggested that this highly transmissible variant could have entered Beijing via this contaminated mail from Canada. And Chinese authorities have actually repeatedly said they are finding the coronavirus on contaminated imports, usually frozen goods. This is really interesting, Holly. Um, I don't think we've come across any other similar cases around the world. Um, Is there any signs that back that up? So some researchers and health authorities overseas have raised doubts about this method of transmission. They argue that the virus does not survive long enough on surfaces. And Canada responded to Beijing's claim. Their chief medical advisor at Health Canada said this theory is highly improbable. Where is that lead us? Here's the exact quote from the medical advisor. 
Because of the poor survivability of coronaviruses on surfaces, there is a low risk of spread from products or packaging shipped over a period of days or weeks. Coming back to China, the Beijing CDC has asked their residents to minimize purchase of goods from overseas, and they should wear masks and gloves when opening mail from high-risk countries. Well, for the listeners from US and UK, if you want to send your Lunar New Year goodies to your Chinese families, maybe it's a better maybe it's a better idea to do it electronically this year. So Holly, let's move on to the big stories here in China. So what is the situation is like in Tianjin and Henan? So Tianjin, just to give you guys some context, it's a port city and it's 30 minutes away from Beijing by train. And it's one of the country's largest cities by population. 14 million people lives there and it's home to a major port. And it's a recommended port for entry of goods for the Winter Games. And so far, local media reports said operations have not been affected by the outbreak. And COVID-wise, it has just completed a third round of mass testing um, that was on Sunday, and they have so far found around 300 cases. While other mainland cities battling outbreaks like Xi'an have locked down millions of people as they try to stem out the local clusters, residents in Tianjin are mostly free to move about, except for those in the worst hit areas and, you know, some other areas where cases have been reported. And, you know, because of its proximity to Beijing, the capital of the city and where the games are going to happen, the sale of uh, rail tickets to Beijing has halted and all highways to the capital and Shanghai have been closed. And within Tianjin, public transportation has also been affected. Some buses some bus services have been subs- suspended and it's the same for some parts of the subway system. So there's no lockdown in Tianjin, but the city is effectively been isolated from the rest of China, even though being so close to Beijing. Holy, so do we know where the outbreak in Tianjin is going to go to which direction? Is it dying down? It's actually pretty hard to say because Tianjin has uh, reported its biggest rise in daily cases yesterday since an outbreak began there earlier this month. And today we're seeing a pretty dramatic fall. Tianjin's most recent cases have been detected in the lockdown parts of the city. And the National Health Commission said the risk of it spreading to other cities was falling. So we're just hoping for the best. So Holly, what about in central China, Henan province? It's another place that we've been watching closely where the Omicron and Delta outbreak are both happening there, right? Yeah, so Henan last week became the first Chinese province to combat both the Omicron and Delta um, coronavirus variants at the same time. And this has prompted authorities to place quarantine restrictions on people leaving and entering the region. And the provincial capital is Zhengzhou. But if you own an iPhone, this place is quite important to you because the provincial capital of Zhengzhou is home to the world's largest iPhone factories. This Zhengzhou campus of Foxconn, the biggest assembler of Apple handsets, employs more than a quarter of a million workers, and it plays a vital role in Apple's supply chain. And now it is offering its former workers extra cash 
to return to its production line. And this increased incentive this time around shows that Foxconn's is really urgent in hunting experienced workers ahead of the Lunar New Year holiday. They are giving returning workers a signing bonus of around 9,000 yuan, that is 1,500 US dollars, in addition to a monthly income. And the company last week said it has kept up with its production schedule despite a jump in new coronavirus cases across the province, and that all workers like other local residents in the city have been subjected to coronavirus tests. In the middle of China, in Henan province, in the middle of the pandemic outbreak, it is trying to stay afloat by trying to retain its workers, trying to keep its factory production lines open, including the world's largest iPhone production base. It literally sounds like a pandemic crisis and global supply chain crisis blend into one. That's right, Mimi. And it's pretty much a case of wait and see in Hunan now. So closer to Hong Kong now and in the before times, before the pandemic, at about this time of year, hundreds of thousands of people living here in Hong Kong would be about to make their trip across the border to visit their families. But that is not going to happen this year as there's an outbreak in Shenzhen and there's an outbreak in Hong Kong. How does the outbreak in Shenzhen is affecting this border reopening with Hong Kong? Yeah, Mimi, as you said, the southern city of Shenzhen is Hong Kong's neighbor across the border. And this is where the land ports between Hong Kong and the mainland are located. Hong Kong has been in talks with the Chinese government about border reopening, meaning quarantine-free travel for months. As we all know, Hong Kong and mainland China have one of the strictest entry rules for COVID in the world. And we're known for the lengthy and potentially pricey quarantine for like up to 21 days. So whenever there are cases from either side, the question will be, will this affect border reopening? And the timing now is pretty important. So apart from the Winter Olympics further north in the country, Lunar New Year is also coming up and the New Year Day falls on the 1st of February. And it's a big deal for many people in this part of the world. So just to help you understand, especially if you're in the US, um, think Thanksgiving and Christmas combined. And it's a festival for family reunion. So for some Hong Kongers, the wait for the border to reopen has dragged on for too long. And some decided that spending weeks in isolation is worth it if it meant reuniting with their families for the coming up Lunar New Year. And people in Hong Kong take this seriously. We found out that more than 16,000 people left Hong Kong for the mainland in four days around Christmas time in December. And that is so they could complete their quarantine in time to see their families during the holidays. So they're just finishing hotel quarantine now and they have two more weeks to complete other quarantine needed to get into their family's town or village in China. So Holly, what is your plan to spend your Lunar New Year holiday in a time like this in Hong Kong? So Mimi, you know, in Hong Kong, restaurants are closed after six. And I think I'm just going to meet my immediate family in Hong Kong and work through the holidays. Wow, it sounds like pretty much the same for every one of us here. Intimate gatherings and work through it. Thank you so much for your time, Holly. We look forward to bringing you back for more updates on COVID. Thanks, Mimi. Hey, I'm Jasmine, the other podcast producer here at the South China Morning Post. A reminder that our weekly podcast newsletter, The Listening Post, is back in production. That's where you get a recap of what we worked on and special highlights from our archive, all delivered straight to your email inbox. 
We'll also give you reviews of podcasts we've been listening to. These not only include shows from the US and the UK, but also from this side of the world, including the best new shows here in Hong Kong. You can subscribe to the listening post at scmp.com slash newsletters. We'll also leave the link in the show notes. That's the listening post delivered to your inbox every Friday. Thomas Yao is a video journalist with the SCMP based in our Shanghai bureau. And if you have a good memory of this podcast, you might remember it is almost exactly one year ago when he last was on the mic with me. Hello, Thomas. Hi, Mimi. Thomas, a year ago, we spoke to you about what you were hearing around Shanghai about people's concerns about the pandemic. And the general mood we got was that people, their thought it was mostly over, that life can almost be back to normal, and that China had defeated the virus, claimed a total victory. And it's one week now since an Omicron outbreak was detected in Shanghai. How has that mood changed? I think China actually shares the same sentiment with the rest of the world, is that, uh, oh, is this not over yet? People still have a lot of confidence in the government's measures. But these days they talk a lot about, you know, I need to get vaccinated, I need to get the first booster shots. But I think apart from that optimism about government and confidence about government's response, there's also a layer of being fed up with the pandemic. Much like the rest of the world. Yes, yes. They're fed up feeling. So Thomas, you were out yesterday around the streets of Shanghai talking to the locals about what their thoughts on the latest pandemic outbreak being handled by the government and also in a time ahead of the Chinese New Year. Can you share with us what have you learned from the Shanghai residents? I went to the street in downtown Shanghai yesterday to speak with the folks on the streets. There are still high level of confidence in the government's response to the recent clusters in Shanghai. The difference between this year and last year is that this year, people are, when I ask them, what are you doing to protect yourself? They will stress that they all got the third dose of vaccine. And apart from the Fox Pops, the general mood that I'm getting from my friends and colleagues and other people in Shanghai is that people are fed up with the pandemic. They're tired. What are you seeing on the streets in Shanghai? I mean, traditionally, before Chinese New Year, it should be quite bustling. Is this still the case in Shanghai right now? I think it's quite different. Uh, we went to a hot pot restaurant, Hai Di Lao, which is quite famous. And the staff told us that, you know, they're not getting a lot of business these days. And indeed, it's pretty quiet. And a lot of restaurants around my neighborhood are shutting down. My guess is even there's no citywide lockdown in Shanghai, the service and retailing industries in China are still paying a price. So people are taking the voluntary initiative to social distance themselves. The government is actually encouraging people to not to gather during Chinese New Year. And if you think about it, you know, Haiti Lao is actually a place where like five or six friends get together and spend a long time in an enclosed area. So what are the Shanghai people's plan for Chinese New Year then? There are no plans to travel to other Chinese cities. 
So I actually talked to two delivery guy on the streets yesterday. One saying that he's not going anywhere. Another one said, I'm going to my hometown no matter what, because guess what? I, I didn't go home for the past two years. I have to go home to see my parents this year, no matter what. Yeah. At all costs. Huh? So for those who are not doing anything this year, they got to be doing something in Shanghai. Um, what have they got lined up? Seeing friends indoor or... I think these days you can actually see people. I don't know if this is a general trend in China or it is COVID related, but it's quite a funny scene when you see people camping on the quieter side of the bun. And these days, not so much during the winter time, but there's actually a lot of people who go picnic in a rather urban area in Shanghai. And Going to the outskirts of Shanghai is also very popular these days. So Thomas, you're based in Shanghai, but your job is constantly taking you to other cities and provinces in mainland China. Can you give us an idea of what it's like on the transport side? We are in the middle of Chunyun, which is the uh, Lunar New Year transport crunch. So what is it like this year? Travel in China these days, I think COVID test is the standard procedure when you travel from a big city in Shanghai, especially when your health code has a star next to it, it means you come from a high-risk to mid-risk area. So COVID test is the standard procedure. And you also, I call it the Schrodinger's cat situation because until you travel to the next city, you could either be quarantined or you could be free to roam around the cities. It's two possibilities are always there. Let me walk you guys through what I mean by that. My most recent travel was last week to Nanchang city in Jiangxi province. I did my COVID test. I called the hotel and the hotel said, well, you are not from a mid-risk area, so you can travel here even without a COVID test. And I said, okay, then I booked my tickets. Everything is ready. The next day I'm in Nanchang. The Nanchang's local government issued a note saying that Oh, guess what? You're from Shanghai. You are from a mid-risk area. Please report to your closest neighborhood office to see if you need to adhere to a certain protocol. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And I called my boss and he said, well, you need to think about leaving Nanchang early. So I have to scramble and cut my travel short by one day. And the next day, I was already in the Nanchang airport ready to get on my flights to Shanghai. And a phone call came in. is from a government official in Nanchang. said, you're from Shanghai, right? I said, yes. Are you in quarantine? I said, no, but my flight is just an hour away. So he said, okay, you know, enjoy your travel back to Shanghai. So I'm glad I ran away. So that's what I meant by, you know, a Schrodinger's cat travel situation because you never know what's going to happen. You're, you're saying different local governments have different rules and they are changing all the time. There's absolutely no way for you to predict what is going to happen until you are, your feet is on the ground to learn what is the latest situation. Yes, uh, I think it's also worth pointing out that generally first tier cities in China, their pandemic response is more predictable, is more transparent. Local governments, uh, third, fourth tier cities, it seems that sometimes they make up the rules as they go. 
Mm. So, Thomas, you've been in Shanghai for a few years for SCMP. I know that um, you haven't been able to come home for quite a while. We haven't seen you for quite a few years. So what is your plan to be reunited with your family in this upcoming Chinese New Year? I have no plans to reunite with them this Chinese New Year. I can travel to Hong Kong without any quarantine. But when I come back to Shanghai, there will be like 21 days of quarantine hell waiting for me on this side of the border. So this year I'm having New Year's Eve dinner with my girlfriend's family. So which is also nice, I suppose. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's a bit sad, but let's hope we'll make it through to the other end. Brighter and stronger. Thank you. And Happy New Year in advance. Yeah, you guys too. Happy New Year. Bernice Chen is a senior reporter on the SEMP Culture Desk, but we know her better as our full-time foodie covering all aspects of the restaurant and bar culture here in Hong Kong, as well as the co-host of the Eat, Drink, Asia podcast. Hi, Bernice. Hi, Mimi. So what are you working on right now these days? Mimi, it's so ironic that you've contacted me today of all days because later this afternoon, The Michelin Guide is going to make their announcement on which restaurants get how many stars. So, you know, in this trying period where we have restaurants that are only open till 6 p.m. And now we're going to see who's going to get the accolades. It's quite uh, ironic. It sounds like a bittersweet moment, but no one else is able to celebrate. So... On course right now, Hong Kong's restaurants are under strict rules to have no customers inside after 6 p.m. And all bars, cafes and night spots have to close until the early part of Chinese New Year. So what are you hearing from the industry right now? Well, they are all trying to maximize as many customers as they can get in right now. So a lot of them are opening for lunch until 5.59 p.m. So they're trying to encourage people to have late lunches or have early dinners starting from around 4 p.m. And some of them are also, again, trying to bring back takeaways. But to be honest, many fine dining restaurants in particular, they can't really do takeaways. They can't replicate the same experience. But we've seen a lot of casual eateries open in the past year and a lot of bakeries. So you're seeing a lot of restaurants offering casual things like burgers, a lot of bakeries offering donuts, cookies, brioche bread, comfort food. And I think that's why places like Cinnabon have done so well here. They've just opened their fourth shop right across the street from our office, actually, offering this kind of food that people really crave right now. Well, bless them for the creativity in adapting a time like this in Hong Kong. Comfort food is definitely something we need, especially before Chinese New Year. So speaking of that, what is the mood like in the lead up to the Chinese New Year? We're hearing a lot about how it is changing plans for the family reunion, the feasts and banquets are being held, something we Chinese people do during the Chinese New Year. Can you share with us what you have observed so far? 
Well, last week, the government basically explained that social distancing measures are going to continue until February 3rd, which is already into Chinese New Year, which starts on the 1st of February. So basically, Chinese New Year is canceled. People can only meet for lunch or have an early dinner until 6 p.m. And that doesn't really work well with Chinese food. So what does that mean for the Chinese restaurants then? They're really going to have a really tough time this year because they usually make most of their money during this time of year. It's the equivalent of Christmas or Thanksgiving. They're going to completely miss out on that with dinners. They're not going to be able to have large tables, families gathering, that kind of thing, ordering, you know, big plates of food, lots of expensive ingredients like abalone, fish, fresh seafood, all that kind of stuff. All these restaurants have already ordered this food and what are they going to do with it now? Yeah, so the government is rolling out some kind of financial subsidy. How likely is that going to help them to get through this period? A lot of the restaurant industry is saying what you're giving to us is absolute peanuts. Because if a restaurant is around a thousand square feet, around a hundred square meters, they will only get around 50,000 Hong Kong dollars. That barely pays for, say, two salaries. How are these restaurants going to survive? It's going to be really tough for them this year. And I heard um, a lot of them actually uh, plan on closing down even before Chinese New Year to cut the losses from the rent and staff, right? A lot of people in the industry is actually going to get unemployed. That's right, especially for the Chinese restaurants. There's a lot of them that I'm not aware of, I'm sure have already closed. There's also Western restaurants that have already shut down as well. They have found it so difficult to survive because of the protests in 2019 and then falling on the heels of that, the pandemic for these past two years. So we're definitely going to see more closures, even though this past year we've seen a lot of new openings of restaurants, which is another ironic thing. We're seeing many restaurants taking advantage of low rents and saying, hey, let's open. So there's a shortage of staff. That's a huge problem that we're seeing now. People want to leave the industry or people are constantly in demand because they need restaurant staff. So, Bernice, Hong Kong has always been known as the heaven of cuisine. Basically, you can find every cuisine around the world here in this city. But with what happened in the past two years, are you seeing the industries being redrawn or reshaped to adapt to this new business environment? Well, like I mentioned earlier, there are restaurateurs who are trying to find cheaper rent, and some of them have been able to work with landlords to create new restaurants. There are some landlords who still refuse to budge and refuse to make some concessions. So we are in a time of flux right now, which will be very interesting to see the fallout. But it's like I said, it's going to be really sad to see many, many eateries and restaurants close because they financially cannot withstand it anymore. Mm. Let's just really hope that this wave of social distancing will end as soon as possible. 
I don't even dare say that life should be back to normal, but um, let's hope that we get somewhere close to that. Thank you so much for your time, Bernice. Really appreciate this. We hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Minnie. That's all we have for this week's Inside China. Don't forget to stay up to date at scmp.com. Not only do we have the latest pandemic news and analysis, we've also got a Chinese astrology forecast for you in the coming year of the tiger. My name is Mimi Lau. You can follow me on Twitter at gzmimi. I wish you a very happy Lunar New Year. Stay safe, stay healthy. Until we speak next time.